When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The dream is made real. Ricky Howe rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean, joined by Johnston for the big fight preview. Anthony Joshua is back in the ring this coming Saturday against Jermaine Franklin, former Dillian White opponent. Had a really tough fight with him and we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to seeing what Joshua has left to do in his boxing career. After losing back-to-back to Alexander Usyk, many people felt he was finished. He had a meltdown in the ring afterwards. There's, there's so many elements to talk about going into this Jermaine Franklin fight as well. And then you've got just a week before the fight happening, Jermaine Franklin and his team having to file a lawsuit against Demetrius Salita and Salita Promotions over some oppressive and unethical things going on behind the scenes. So, yeah, we're definitely going to talk a little bit more about that in the course of this preview for the fight. And it certainly adds a little bit more weight to what's going on this weekend with the fight happening. But, yeah, and you've got a couple of good fights that have been added to the card. You've got Felix Cash uh, and Amo Williams both fighting on a collision course with each other. Amo Williams against River Wilson-Bent. You've got Felix Cash against Matteo Signani. Then you've also got Fabio Wardley on this card as well. Campbell Hatton. So, you know, there's a couple of interesting fights happening on fighters that you've probably been following as well that are fighting on this card this weekend. I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing Joshua back in the ring and seeing how he's going to bounce back from the Usyk losses against a guy who... Many people underrated going into his fight with Dillian White, Johnston, and arguably some people yep. felt that maybe, maybe he actually beat Dillian White in that fight in November last year. I was one of those that felt it was a highly competitive, close contest, and he actually got a, a draw on one of the cards, whereas the other two cards scored it the same to Dillian White, so it was a majority decision, but it was really competitive. He gave Dillian White nightmares in that particular fight, in my opinion, and he's going into this Joshua fight now, who... Really, I don't think this is a, this isn't a light touch from Joshua. Maybe he's tailor made for Joshua because of his his style and his height. 
but I don't think it's a light touch for him, certainly. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it because you just don't know what's going to happen here with Joshua and, and given the pressure that's been put on him over the years and seemingly going a little bit unstable after the Usyk defeat, the second Usyk defeat, you kind of wonder what's going on with Joshua behind the scenes and, and, and what's going to happen in this fight. And then you've got this issue with Franklin and his promotional team just a week ahead of the fight. Oh man, it's, it looks like it could potentially go Pete Tong. <laughs> it sounds like it's already beginning to unravel, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's great to see Anthony back. I, I enjoy watching Anthony Joshua and, and although he's on the back of two defeats from my guy Usyk, who I, who I absolutely love, um, I can't help it. Um, I, I, I would love. I'd, I'd cook him a bit of dinner, mate. I would. I'd take him out. <laughs> he's, he's one of, I'm a huge fan of Usyk. Um, but yeah, no, Joshua. Look, end of the day, um, come through those two fights. Like, do you know what? The crazy thing is, I actually think he improved in his footwork in that second fight. I really do, and I, and I would like to see that again in the Franklin fight where. He adjusted his foot. He was very um, heavy on his feet at times, going in, sort of looking back on his fights, because he was always reliant on that power. And he knew that power against Usyk in that second fight wasn't going to be enough. Um, so he improved his footwork. I'd like to see if he's even proved it even a bit more. Um, and I do think on the back of those defeats, I've seen improvements in him. Um, it was a lot closer the second fight, although I still believe he lost. And then you look at Franklin and, you know, he came into that fight as a guy that um, was a was an opponent for Dillian, and Dillian, I, f- I always feel with Dillian White is is a bit like Derek Chisora, where if he's sort of unmotivated, a bit like Lawrence sort of at the weekend, you know, if you're unmotivated for a fight, you don't see the best of Dillian, and if he's over motivated motivated for a fight, you don't see the best of Dillian. He needs to sort of be somewhere in between Dillian White, and you always get his best performances when he's there. He was over-motivated against uh, Tyson Fury and got absolutely sparked. And then for the Franklin fight, I think he was under-motivated. And I think that shone through because I felt that he thought he was just going to have the power to get rid of Franklin. Franklin surprised him. Every time you sort of felt that Franklin was in a bit of trouble, he'd spin him around and come back. The only time you ever see Franklin in any real trouble was the very last few seconds of that fight when when Dillian actually nailed him aside and pushed him against the ropes. But even then he came back. So the argument for Franklin winning this fight, I'm sort of siding with. I'll be honest with you. If you actually watch that fight with a sand down, no sand whatsoever, no biased commentary from anybody, I believe that you probably would walk away with that sand. Actually, I think Franklin might have nicked that. Um, so I'm sure he'd be very disappointed that he didn't get the result there because I, I, I sort of felt that it just went Dillian White's way, just about for some reason. Uh, obviously, he was the home fire. So yeah, he's, he's look, he's got fast hands. He's he, if and the one thing you do see with Franklin, which you see with Dillian White, is that shot where he can he can counter quickly, and he, when he counters with the right hand, just on top of the head. And we've seen what happens with Anthony Joshua when he gets caught on the top of the head with a counter. All you need to do is go back and look at Ruiz. I'm not saying that you know this is something you need to look out for in a fight, but Joshua's got to be very wary of that. That's all I'm saying. I think he will be wary of that. I think he'll be looking to make a statement in this fight. Absolutely. He's going to want an emphatic win. He really is. And I do feel... I do. Feel, well, he does need it. Yeah, you're right. He does need it. He needs the win. Because if he doesn't get the win, for me, what else is he going to do? He's, he's reached the absolute pinnacle of the sport. And then he's, he's like... They say when you get to the top of the mountain, the only way he's down. 
And that that's kind yeah. of what where he's on at the moment. He's going down the mountain a little bit. He needs this fight to take him a little bit back up the mountain and, and, and at least put himself up there for a future fight with another big name. I mean, they're talking about this fight with Dillian White later in the summer, you know, sort of August, September time. And, and that's a possibility quite easily if he comes through Jermaine Franklin. But I think the pressure just needs to be off this guy. The pressure needs to be off him completely. People need to be just saying, look, this is Joshua, man. You know, he, he went to the top of the sport. He's done a lot for British boxing in the sense of bringing all those crowds and, and all that attraction in. And, and that's been fantastic for the sport. He's at a point of his career where his confidence is probably a little lower than it always has been. And, you know, it may be a little bit misplaced. He probably doesn't know which way has, has been up recently with all the pressure that's been put on him from, from everybody around him. And you think about when a fighter starts their career and who's in the changing room at the beginning to then who's at the changing room when you're at the pinnacle of the sport and how many hangers-on that must be around him, how many yes-men that must be around him. I mean, look at Tyson Fury at the moment. There's too many of yeah. those people around him. I think Joshua's had that and I think the confidence has, has, has been overhyped in him and I think, you know, obviously he's believed that and it's took him to the very top of the sport. But now he's at a point where this is a must-win fight for him. He needs this win over Jermaine Franklin to at least put himself back in the mix to be fighting again for a world title he wants to he wants to prove to himself and to everybody else that he can do that and to do it he needs a big win not just a labored performance over 12 rounds he needs a controlled emphatic performance he needs to be the boxer puncher he needs to be taking this fight some rounds and then all of a sudden boom he takes out franklin and everybody goes do you know what there's a chance that joshua could once again become a champion and that's that's the feeling that you you want fans to have if you're in that position it's a tough fight for him it's not easy you've mentioned a few things that i've picked up on there about how franklin fights and and how he fights in a similar fashion to an andy ruiz for example he's got fast hands he's got the ability to get on the inside if joshua lets him get on the inside there could be some problems for joshua and we have seen that in the past however when we see the Andy Ruiz rematch with Joshua and how controlled he was in that fight, if he can control this fight in the same way he did that one, then it could just be a nice performance for Joshua. Personally, as a fan, I'd like to see him make a statement and knock Franklin out, you know, be the first man to knock this guy out and say, do you know what? I'm back. I'm ready for the big guns once again and get his confidence back. But we'll see. We'll see. And I'm going to go into the sort of the prediction stage in a few minutes because let's just move over back to Franklin and just talk about what we was talking about at the start of the episode when I mentioned, you know, we're a week away from the fight or less than a week away now from the fight. And there was a report on the Daily Mail yesterday. And for the benefit of anybody that hasn't read that news article, I'm just going to read some extracts from it just so you get an understanding of what's going on behind the scenes for Franklin here. So it reads, Jermaine Franklin has filed a lawsuit against Elite Promotions just seven days before his blockbuster bout with Anthony Joshua. Franklin is suing Salita Promotions over the percentage the company are entitled to when they are not acting as a promoter, a co-promoter or involved in a purse bid. Franklin's team feels Salita Promotions have been taking advantage of their current contract, especially in circumstances where their only duty is to give Franklin permission to engage in a boxing match. The lawsuit states that the current agreement has allowed Salita Promotions to take whatever amount it desires while ignoring any negotiations proffered by Franklin's team, including his legal advisor. The lawsuit also states that Salita has given Franklin two choices for his last two professional bouts. They were said to be agree to the percentage and terms it demands or don't fight. Now, 
this is going wow. back to last week's conversation when we were talking about promoters and, and you absolutely went to town on, on how promoters can be and you always do and you always right to because it's stuff like this, reports like this, that completely just make you believe even more and make many other people believe even more that promoters are literally just in this for themselves and when you read reports like this, it, it's, it's pretty damning and this guy doesn't need this. Six days before the biggest fight of his career, the biggest payday of his career, and he's got people basically skimming off him. Is what's happening? Literally skimming. Um, I mean, I I'm lost for words. Really, again, it, it just highlights and completely with the point I'm trying to make with promoters. These guys are literally in it for the money, and they don't give a shit about fighters. They don't. They they want to earn their packet. You know, almost like the football agents, just pointless people at times and I mean they, look, they need to be their promoters I'm not knocking them they need to put, put on events but something needs to be done with how much they're actually taking from the fighters they're actually gaining the ring and putting their lives on the line because that's what it is at the end of the day you know you're getting punched in the face for goodness sake I mean it's as clear as day it's not on uh, it really ain't and, and, and the exploitation of fighters because you've got to remember how many fighters Sean do we see ever step in the ring that have not had a bit of a shit life. How many of them really? Most of them are in the sport because of a way out. It's, it's, it's their only way out at times. And the majority of fighters, I'd say 80, 70, 80% of the fighters are in it for that reason, to earn money and they're good at it and they make themselves good at it and they really knuckle down. Now, they're the ones that should be taking the larger cut of all these purses. TV companies, commissioning boards and promoters are the worst for it. They're the sharks and they just take the money from these fighters and you know, it's not like Franklin is a huge name. He's earning, a, he's earning a bundle of money. He spent a lot of time out of the ring, didn't he, as well? You know, where he could have earned more money and he wasn't in the ring. And now you get this situation. So good on him. I hope he wins his case. I hope he gets more money for this fight than he's ever got. And I hope even on the back end of this, he earns more money. But, you know, you don't see... In, all I'm saying is you don't see people that are well off. If you've... if And you also see with fighters, when they earn the money, do they want to push their children to get back in the ring? Of course they don't. No one wants to go into the ring if you've got money in your back pocket. Why on earth would you want to? You'd do something else, wouldn't you? Although we sit here and love the sport, that's why you've got to... You've, you've just got to have admiration for these fellas that step into the ring week in, week out and challenge themselves. It's a very isolating sport as well. And, and you get guys like that, promoters like that, that take the living piss. And it is disgraceful. It really is. And I'm... You know, it just it makes me like Jermaine Franklin even more. You know, I sort of want him to beat Joshua now because that because you know Joshua's getting a nice bit of money even if he loses. So um, yeah, I, I, it's hard to it's hard to listen to that show. It really is. It just highlights the fact that promoters are arseholes, aren't they? Let's just get it right. Yep. They are. They're a bunch of arseholes. They're a bunch of sharks, and they're in it for the money. And they, it, it, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem right, does it? But it's just it's been there. For fucking years, Sean, isn't it? It's been there for years and years and years. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's the only sport that it's allowed to happen. Um, something needs to be done about it. Surely this can't continue. No, you're right. It's just a, what. It's not what some guy needs before the biggest fight no. of his career. No, this is God, just no. this is just ridiculous. Like, you know, there's even talk of the could the fight even collapse as a result of something like this. Hopefully, it won't because at the end of the day, Franklin needs this fight he needs to prove himself he needs the big money payday that's going to come out of it sure he does he's, he's not yeah. just there for the money this guy wants to prove himself and i think this could give him the hunger and desire to potentially do that it'll either send him one way or another he'll either 
underperform because he's distracted with this stuff going on outside of the ring. Or actually, he'll perform out of his bloody skin and he will maybe cause an upset this coming weekend, which really leads us nicely into the fight and talking about how this <laughs> yeah. how this fight's going to go down because, you know, we've talked about Joshua, where he's at and what he really needs to do in this fight. We've talked about what we've seen out of Franklin when he fought Dillian White. But ultimately, how, how does it play out? Does Joshua keep him at range? Does Joshua box punch him does he does he use his footwork does he use the, the the lateral movement around the ring does he just make it an easy night's work for himself or does he try to go out guns blazing and knock Jermaine Franklin out and at the same time potentially get caught himself how how does Joshua yeah. win this fight Johnson how what is the best possible game plan he could have for this fight I think to be patient, I think he doesn't need to go steamrolling in because, you know, he could get caught on the counter and Franklin's got a good counter shot. He's got fast hands and he's able to, he's agile enough and he's got a solid enough chin. Dillian White nailed him a few times and he's still there, wasn't he? So, I mean, the question is, is can he handle Joshua's punching power? I mean, Joshua, Wilder and now Fury, really. They're, for me, they're the biggest punchers in a division. I mean, Daniel Dubois on his day, but he's very, you know, suspect with his chin. A bit like Joshua, really. You don't want him getting, he can't be getting caught. But I think he just needs to just take his time, be patient. The one thing is, he, if he does, when he does seize an opportunity, Joshua, he, he really goes for it. And I think, you know, that could cause him problems where if he doesn't finish Franklin off, then Franklin has the ability to, to spin him round and then put the pressure on, which you see with Dillian White. And you know when Joshua starts throwing shots and he misses or he's landed and he hasn't quite finished off an opponent, he's burning bad energy and he looks exhausted. And that's where the comparison with Frank Bruno comes in because Frank used to do that, didn't he? I mean, I've watched enough Frank Bruno fights to see that the, the, the fact that Joshua does the similar things. So he's got to be patient. I mean, he's got Derek James in his corner now. Derek James, a new trainer. We give him trainer of the year on our show. You know, with Charlo, Spence Jr. and Frank Martin, he had. You know, he, he's a he's he's a fantastic trainer. Will he have? Will he have had enough time with Joshua to make any adjustments and improvements? Well, Joshua's improved. I, I know people will look at it and say, look, he's lost three of his six fights. You know, two on the spin with Usyk. I do think Joshua is a better fighter than people give him credit for just because he lost to Usyk, who I have as the best in the division by far. So, you know, I, I do feel that. Joshua has enough to get rid of Franklin. You know, in a way, after hearing that with the promoter, so I do sort of side. I'm beginning to side with Franklin here, Sean. I quite fancy a Franklin upset. But for me, I, I, I just feel that when he gets Franklin into a position, I think he has the power to finish him off. If he can get him into an area where he's unloading combinations, I just can't see Franklin getting out of it. I can see him collapsing in the corner at some point. Has he got the will and the desire to get up? Well, we'll see. And then if he can take Joshua into the latter stages of the fight, then that's that's where he's going to have his best opportunity to win that fight. I think Joshua wins, and I'm going to go by stoppage. And I think it's just anything between six and eight for me. I think that's when you're going to see Joshua finally get another victory and another knockout. But as I say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of quite liking the fact of a Franklin upset here um yeah i can't I, I, just because I, I hate the promoter stuff and i'm sort of siding with him joshua's earned enough money to to look after his family for generations franklin hasn't so um i, I do sort of my heart although i love following the british fires you know we both do i'm sort of edging towards jermaine here but look joshua knockout six to eight for me looking at the fight looking at the assessment of it and looking at how i think it could play out 
my heart says that Joshua wins it. My heart says he wins it. My head says he wins it. In which way he wins it, I'm kind of not fully sold on yet. I, I think Joshua wins, but I just don't know whether it'll be a calm, patient performance where it'll go the distance or whether he will yeah, come out and absolutely absolutely be emphatic and, and, and stop him. But I do see a Joshua win. I'm, there's no point in me sitting here and saying he'll definitely win by stoppage or he'll definitely win by points because I'm unsold on how it'll happen. It really depends on, on what we see when he comes out in the first round. You know, I can't judge too much by how he's going to look on the scales later on in the week. I'm not going to judge too much by any of that. I just want to see what he does when he comes out for the first round and how he how he conducts himself. And then I think after that first round, I'll, I'll have an idea of, of, of what we're going to expect to see. If it even goes past the first round of cuff, if he comes out and blows him away, then, you know, people... Yeah, well, people will be really excited to, to see what they feel as the old Joshua again, blowing opponents away, you know, in, in quick succession. Don't think it'll be as simple as that. I do think if he, if he is going to stop him, It'll be around that round range that you mentioned, sort of six to eight or maybe sort of eight to ten. It'll be around those round ranges. I think you'd have to break him down first and then get him with an accumulation of punches rather than sort of one punch that'll finish the fight. Oh, yeah. I think that that's yeah, how it could right. end. But then I also can see him coming out with Derek James in his corner, being patient, being composed, showing his boxing ability, showing his footwork, showing whatever it is that he's been learning in the gym with Derek James and, and getting a really good good emphatic victory in another way rather than a KO he just he, he beats and he pounds on him for 12 rounds and he does a, a Calzaghi versus Lacey performance and everybody goes wow look at that you know Joshua has improved he isn't as static and immobile as what people think he is he's got a little bit of something left many people will sit there and go actually there's no chance you're never going to be able to teach this guy anything he is what he is Saturday will tell us a little bit more about that and, and I am looking forward to the fight and it will give us a conversation about how the landscape of the heavyweight division will change, which I think is a, another nice talking point. So, in theory then, Johnston, if, if Joshua does win and we're not going to see Usyk versus Fury because that's off the table as it stands... Yeah. What what really is the logical route in the heavyweight division? Also mentioning that in a couple of weeks we've got Joe Joyce versus Big Bang Zhang as well, and you know a win for Joyce there puts him in a really good position. Then you've got Daniel Dubois as the WBA champion, so you know there's Usyk versus Dubois being touted as the next fight rather than Usyk Fury. So how does the landscape change if Joshua wins and all these other things play out as I've said? I honestly believe if, if Joshua can win this within six rounds without taking too much damage and he does win it by a blowout, which is, you know, which would be a, a great achievement. I wouldn't completely write off the opportunity of a Joshua Fury fight in the summer at Wembley because of the fact that Fury and Usyk are not fighting. It, it, so many fighters are free at the minute. It's crazy. It's only Joyce, really, and Joshua that are up for it. I mean, if Franklin goes and does pulls off an absolute belt and, and surprises everyone, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Franklin in the ring with Fury come summertime. But um, I, I, I'm saying, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think the chances are that Joshua probably fights Dillian White in their second fight in the summertime, maybe at a stadium somewhere, maybe in London, maybe Tottenham Hotspur Grand or the Emirates or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, so that's where I see with that. With, with Joyce as well, looking at Joyce, if Joyce goes and does it with without taking too much damage against Chang, then you could well see Joyce fight Fury in the summer. Fury's going to be looking for a summer fight. If he's going to take any credibility, it's going to be to take on a guy like Anthony Joshua or a Joe Joyce. Now, the chances of those happening are probably much slimmer than the other three. 
The other three that are also free, and that's a Deontay Wilder fourth match at Wembley. Completely not out of the realms of possibility. Uh, Frank Sanchez, very high up. I think he's up to three in the WBC ranking. A fighter that's got credibility, wouldn't sell out Wembley and would give him probably a bit of stick. But I think for me, I think Fury will, I've just got this inkling, it could it could end up being like a Ruiz Jr. If Ruiz Jr. and Wilder don't decide to fight in the summer. So they just leave for me. I think Fury, to save face, he needs to fight Joshua Joyce, really. Sanchez is probably off the table. Or he needs to fight Wilder and Ruiz. I don't think Wilder's going to want to take that full fight yet at Wembley. And I think he would be more inclined to go down the Ruiz Jr. route. So I think Joyce or Joshua have a fantastic opportunity if they can do well in these fights. And it's, and you know, I know it's early, it's very, it's the first of April. So you get the whole of April to start training. You can take a week off, 10 days off, get back to training. I mean, they're always in the gym anyway, these guys. Joshua and Joyce, eight-week training camp, and they get an opportunity to fight for the WBC title against Tyson Fury. I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility. Sure. I don't know what you think, mate. I can see Joshua White, to be honest with you, the second one. But then it has to be Joyce then, if if that happens. And for, for, for Tyson Fury to save face, otherwise, who's he fighting, Sean? This is it. This is what we need to see. We need to see those shifts in this happening. There's been so many conversations, there's been so many reports from different media outlets about the next fight for Usyk and the next fight for Fury. And it becomes a bit too difficult to sit there and scroll through to be honest with you and and a lot of the reason why I tend to spend most of my time off social media than on it these days because all I end up seeing is is a load of false reporting going on a lot of people will yep. look for a little tidbit of information so that they can put it out there and, and potentially get attention from users of social media and you know if you post something about a potential fight between you know Usyk and and, and someone like Joe Joyce, then people are going to buy into that because there's a possibility that that could happen. And obviously it does attract the attention for, for, for those said media outlets to do that. I find it really difficult to, to sit there and completely scroll through it day to day. I think the only thing I get out of social media is the funny memes that actually come as yeah. a result. They come as a result of something happening within the sport. And that's why you end up seeing something get posted on on btr boxing podcasts social media pages and i posted something the other week with uh, a picture of of a fury as a magician and then a, a picture of uh Usyk <laughs> coming out of a coming out of the hat as the rabbit and, and obviously talking about for Usyk's uh, for fury's next trick he's going to make the undisputed title fight disappear i mean that's the sort of stuff that i i actually get a kick out of i think he's quite hilarious rather than you know, rather than sat there just scrolling under false news, that isn't really going to benefit anybody by reporting it because it, it isn't actually the truth of the matter. So I, I tend to wait until we get some official word on things before we make an actual comment on it, which is, you know, we yep. could sit here and do a shooting the breeze episode and talk about theoretically how things could go. I just want to see these fights happen like you do. All I want to see is I want to see... Joyce versus Zankapper, and I want to see the victor of that go on to fight whoever is available at the top end. If Usyk and Fury are available, I want to see the winner of Joyce versus Zank fight one of them two. 
Okay, so if that one of that one of them fights happen, then that leaves Fury open. Surely, if 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 Fury or Usyk are open, then you're going to potentially look uh, at Dillian White or Anthony Joshua. You're going to look at the bigger fights. You're not going to sit there and and just sit around and, and take a fight against somebody that is just not really worthy of a of of a, of a fight. You know, in that position, like. You know, there's another one. I think it was um, Usyk's promoter, Alex Alex Krasuk, who put out a uh, a picture of uh, it was like the Drake meme, and it has Fury and it has the opponents on one side, and then, and then it shows Fury against these elite opponents, and he's sort of doing this, you know, hand gesture as if to say, "Ah, oh, no, I'm not going to fight any of these guys." And then under the underneath it, it has Fury, you know, agreeing to fight. Uh, a plethora of guys and it's all like the Mamu Chars of the world and you know the, those those type of fighters that he basically you know he'd happily take a fight with or a fourth Derek Chisora fight for example and that's a bit of trolling going on from Usyk's promoter but do you know what to be honest with you at the moment it seems right because at the moment all I'm seeing Johnston is is the big fights that we want to happen just slipping away from us last year Joshua versus Fury we was excited we genuinely thought we were going to get it this year Fury versus Usyk. We genuinely thought we were going to get it. And now, yet again, we're not going to get it. So the landscape of the heavyweight division, yet again, just changes and doesn't give us what we really, really want. But in the meantime, why not have a Fury versus Joshua in the summer? Why not have an Usyk versus Joyce? Why not have a Dubai versus Usyk? People are hating on that particular fight. But at the end of the day, Dubai's got himself into the position to be able to have a fight. Whether you think he's going to win or not, whether you think he isn't good enough or not, he's put himself into that position. And his promoter, Frank Warren, has manoeuvred him into that position. So, yeah, if if that fight presents itself to Dubai and his team, is he really going to sit there and go, no, I'm not taking that fight because I'm scared of getting beat? No, of course he's no, not. A, 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 absolutely. And the, and Daniel's even said he'd come out and fight that fight. I mean, he's the number one in WBA. you got the WBO's Joyce, and then you got IBF who's Ergovic. So whoever, for whatever whatever organisation and governing body want to push that fight, Usyk's probably could fight one of them. Without a shadow of doubt, I think that will be Usyk's. One of them three is going to be Usyk's next fight. And then, as I say, Fury gets a pick of anyone because... I mean, when you look at it, the WBC have Deontay Wilder as number one, Andy Ruiz as number two. Are they actually going to fault anything? They didn't fault anything for ages when uh, with Dillian White when he was a number one contender. So the, the WBC ain't one to really push it. But just quickly, just to, I know we've gone off subjects here, but these are the heavyweights at the moment that do not have a fight at the moment. And it's why it's, it's just anyone. You could throw anyone's hat in, in the ring for these, for, for all teams, um, for, sorry, Usyk or Josh, or... I can Usyk or Fury, the champion. So you've got Andy Ruiz Jr., Deontay Wilder, Dillian White, Daniel Dubois, Joseph Parker, Frank Sanchez, Philip Hergovic. If you want to have Krubot Pulevinese in there, Martin Bacoli, uh, Makhmadov, and Otto Volin. None of them have got a fight. None of them at all. And I do feel, and then obviously, then you have Joshua and Joyce after their April fights. You've got a, a perfetteral of, of fighters that can fight at any time. And obviously, Usyk and uh, Fury get first dabs on who they want to choose. That's it. Yep, well, let's see what happens. Let's move on then and talk about some of the other stuff that's going on on this particular card. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Felix Cash fighting, Amo Williams is fighting. They're on a collision course to fight, so if they come through their fight against their respective opponents, they will be fighting later in the year. So two fights there where they are banana skins for the pair of them, potentially, because there's a big fight between the two of them 
looming, uh, and I really would love to see it. Both of them are undefeated. We've got Ammo at 13-0, Felix at 16-0. Really, really potentially great fight coming later on in the year. But let's see if they can get past their respective opponents on this particular undercard. Fabio Wardley, 15-0, is going in for a WBA Continental Heavyweight title against Michael Polite Coffee, 13-3. Fabio Wardley is a guy who... I don't think a lot of expectations been put on, but every time he's stepped up in class of opposition, he's done well and, and he's done it in a, in, in a good fashion. And people are starting to believe that actually there's something behind that. For what he lacked in amateur experience, he's starting to make up for it on the professional side of things. And I heard Fraser Clark talking about that fight when he won over the weekend. Fraser Clark certainly would like a fight with Fabio Wardley. And that was a fight that was being spoke about a few weeks ago on the show. You know, like Fraser Clark needs a big fight. Why not Fabio Wardley? Why not fight somebody like that? You know, he might have years of experience as an Olympian and as an amateur, but Fabio Wardley has certainly had that experience as a professional and he's done enough so far to certainly warrant a, a, a good fight. At the moment, Fabio Wardley's ahead in terms of his career progression. You know, you might argue that you've got all this amateur experience for the Fraser Clark, but I think Fabio Wardley, for me, the way I see him, regardless of, of what he's done in his amateur career or not done in his amateur career, I see him ahead. I see him as, as potentially the guy, you know, that is the A-side. And people might laugh at me when I say that, but I see it as that because Fraser Clark hasn't fought anybody yet in the professional ranks. They can't get him an opponent. That's what they're saying. They can't get him a viable opponent. He was supposed to have a viable opponent in Rydell Booker. We did that podcast last week, and by Friday, he was fighting somebody else. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, there's just no viable opponents for him. But Fabio Wardley, that'd be a great fight. And, you know, he's he's British champion. So that'd be a perfect fight for, for a Fraser Clark at this stage of his career. So he's fighting also on this card. Campbell Hatton goes into his 11th professional fight on this card. You've got John Hedges, Jordan Flynn also on this particular card as well, which I'm I'm going to keep an eye on as well this weekend. But the one fight I haven't mentioned is the fight happening in America this weekend in Tulsa in Oklahoma, which is Robesy Ramirez and Isaac Dogbay. Also happening this weekend, a fight that's probably going under the radar a little bit in the UK because of the fact that we're all focused on the Joshua fight this weekend. But isn't isn't that a really good fight for the weekend, Johnston? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one um, as well. Uh, Ramirez, uh, I'm a fan of and I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Isaac um, Dogbay. I've always been. He was uh, from sort of training from in my neck of the woods down in Mottingham. So, um, He's been adopted by us, really. Uh, he's fought a lot in America. I really enjoy watching his fights. He's very little as well, but he's very confident. And, and you know, I hope he can do the business. I think it's a big ask for him to beat Ramirez, to be quite honest with you. Um, if I'm going to go anywhere, I probably would edge toward Ramirez. But don't count Dog Bay out. I, I, I do feel that on his day, he can produce the goods. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think I think Dog Bay, you know, I just think it's his size, really. He's a bit little, but... Um, He's got something about him. I don't know about you, Sean, but it's, it's going to be a good fight. If you if you if you want to tune into a, a separate fight other than the heavyweights, then um, I would definitely suggest Ramirez Dogbay. Well, there's a WBO title is on the line, a vacant WBO title, so there's certainly something up for grabs here between the two of them. It's definitely, I think Dogbay. He's got two defeats on his record, but he's just. I feel like his career's kind of stalled a little bit. A couple of years ago, we were sort of talking about him and, and, and talking about him in such high regard. And then he lost to Emmanuel Navarrete back-to-back in, 20, yeah. in 2018-2019. And then since then, even though he's had four back-to-back victories on his record, I just haven't really... 
I haven't really sort of been bought into him. I kind of lost a little bit of uh, lost a little bit of faith in the guy after he lost back to back to Navarrete, and then obviously COVID happened, so that hampered a little bit of progression. He did have two fights in 2021, and then he had one last year in 2022, and then obviously he's now back in for the vacant title. But Robert Ramirez is is been progressing really really well. You know, he comes into his his career having such a such a great amateur career loses in his debut which was, was yeah. quite shocking as well uh, for many people but since then he's been on a really good streak and you know he beat Eric Donovan in February of 2022 which I thought was a really good performance he beat Abraham Nova which I thought was a really good performance Abraham Nova was 21-0 going into that fight as well and he picked up a couple, a couple of minor titles in that fight in June last year but now he goes into, into, into this fight in particular now with a world title on the line so he's got the opportunity to become a world champion in the featherweight division I think this is a really really good fight I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I think it'll certainly tell us both of, of, of where these two guys are in the career so if you are looking to yeah. tune in to, to another fight this weekend that's certainly the one what do you think just, about just, Ramirez yeah, just sorry just yeah exactly just going to say with Ramirez the one thing I say is that Nova fight which you just you, you rightly highlighted there Sean is the one where I sort of side of him because of that performance I thought it was a great performance from him and uh, although Dog Ray's come back I, I, still, I still sort of favour him uh, Ramirez um, be- literally because of that performance really when you look at it uh it was it was a great stunning knockout stunning finish so um yeah that's why i've sort of edged towards it but it's a close fight you're right i mean it is a very close fight and i think with with dog bay he has the ability obviously never never are a fights but back to back absolutely killed his confidence and he's he's come out of a few good wins so hopefully he can produce the goods because before that he on his day like as i say you know he had something about him so yeah it's, it's intriguing it's it's one of them fights that goes either way doesn't it i, I just feel that ramirez you know he's on the he's on the he's on the up and dog base sort of can he can he stop that slide? I know he's, he's had a few victories, but this is the big one. Can he do it? I think you know I, I favour Ramirez, Sean. I do. I, I'm not saying he's going to stop him. Dog base tough enough to to, to grind out uh, to the end, but um, I'm, I'm siding with him. I, I can't help it. Uh, I don't know about you, but yeah. Uh, I, I, to be honest, though, my heart absolutely want Dog Bay to win that fight. Though. Well, in other news, I don't know if you knew about this card going on, Johnson, because I haven't told you about it, but I find it quite funny. So, in America, in Milwaukee, there is a card going on which features Roy Jones Jr. fighting against Mm -hmm. a former MMA fighter, Anthony Pettis, who's making his debut. Another MMA fighter, Vita Belfort, is going into his second professional fight. Jose Aldo. You know, that's the same Jose Aldo who fought Conor McGregor and McGregor beat him in an emphatic fashion. He's also making his boxing debut this weekend on the same card. I just picked it up when I was looking through BoxRec, like looking at what else was on over the weekend to make sure we didn't miss anything significant. And I just came across this card and I'm like, really? Is that really happening this weekend? <laughs> so Roy Jones is still still going out there and... and, and basically killing off any bit of dignity he had left as a as a boxer by fighting again and it's probably to help the card it's probably to make the money for the card and save save the show a little bit when you've got a legit legend on there as well but it just doesn't do much for him as as a, as a fighter at this stage of his career but yeah if you haven't picked up on that in the UK that is also happening this weekend as well I wonder, Fright- I wonder what the collective ages of that card oh I mean, that's Jesus. a good one that's a good, it must be over 200. 
<laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that 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 that's definitely one to uh, for any of those mathematical guys out there to uh, certainly have a look into. But that's happening on Saturday, Friday. Channel Five's got some great boxing on with Harlem Eubank. He's fighting sixteen and zero going in there against Christian Urzquita. We've got Harry Scarf against Jordan DeJohn going in there. That's a really good fight. Actually, I'm looking forward to that one. You've got Nick Parper, Michael Webster for the vacant English cruiserweight title on the line there. So there's there's a good few fights happening on the Friday as well. So it's certainly worth tuning in to Channel 5. I did do last week and, and, and failed to mention, obviously, some of the fights that happened on the Channel 5 show on the Friday in our reaction show. But I'm making sure that we don't miss it out this week. So that is happening on Friday as well. But... All the focus really this weekend, Johnson, is about Anthony Joshua returning to the ring. Is he back? Is he going to be back? Is he going to be able to stamp his authority on the heavyweight division once more this weekend by getting a victory? Or is Jermaine Franklin going to be there and be able to cause an upset and potentially end the career of Anthony Joshua? It's certainly an intriguing fight at this stage of Joshua's career. Very much looking forward to seeing what happens on this particular card and those guys out there that love the predictions please just drop your predictions at us at BCR Boxing Pod I'd love to know what people are thinking about this and whether you're thinking along the same lines as us or whether you're thinking completely different you know where to tweet us you know where to find us on social media we are on Facebook as well and we're on Instagram and we're on TikTok I post the audiograms onto there as well if you want to find us on YouTube we are also on YouTube with all of our series based stuff there too so please do go and check us out on there but i also want you guys to go and check us out on all of our other series based content so the darker side of boxing has just finished its season season three is now done all 10 episodes and 10 after shows are out there we've got a wrap-up show we've got a blooper show coming next week so please just go and engage with that if you haven't already done so and that particular show is a show that has been shortlisted for a award with the Sports Podcasting Group as one of the best combat sports podcasts of the year. So we submitted our entry a few weeks back. We was approached about it. We thought, yeah, sod it, let's do it. We didn't expect anything to come of it. Then we got an email to say you've been shortlisted among some of the big combat sports podcasts out there, which was quite amazing for us. Now, all we're asking you to do is go on and vote. We've put the link on our Twitter page, on the Dark Side of Boxing's Twitter page, on the BTR Facebook and Instagram pages. All you've got to do is go to the Sports Podcast Group. You've got to log in if you've got an account, or if you haven't, it's free to sign up. Literally takes you a minute. You don't get spammed by them. It's just a way of you being able to vote and vote correctly without people being able to spam vote, and that, that's why they've done it that way. So if you get a minute to do it, please go and vote for the Darker Side of Boxing. We are probably the most least financed podcast in that shortlist and we are up there with all the big guns so it'd be really really amazing if out of the blue he was able to win an award for that show so please i'm asking you if you're doing anything this week just take a couple of minutes out of your day to go to the sports podcast group go to the best combat sports category and vote for the darker side of boxing it'll take you a couple of minutes it really will and with that it would really help us and potentially win us an award, which would be amazing and an amazing progression for the show. So please take a couple of minutes to go and do that. But if you've enjoyed this particular show, the preview for Joshua versus Franklin, do let us know on social media on all of the usual handles. If you're new to the show, please go and subscribe to us on Apple or on Spotify or on Google or any available podcasting app out there. One final thing to mention, and that's a thank you. 
that's a thank you to the patrons of the podcast for supporting us through Patreon, giving us that extra support that is allowing us to continue to produce shows like The Darker Side of Boxing or Legendary Nights or Career Profiles. And with that in mind, that is it for this show, guys. Thank you so much. And we'll be back with a reaction show to see what happens in the aftermath of Joshua versus Franklin. Podcast Network.